Jackson on the left wing now. Gets the screen, Joker rolls. Jackson had a notion, but he couldn't find him. So he goes to KCP. Oh, is he hot? Fantavius Caldwell Pope now has 19 points as he knocked down his fourth three-pointer. Brutal night for the Sacramento Kings in Denver. Welcome into the second hour of the show. Jason Ross here with you. Chris Verlott as well. No Carmichael Dave with us today as uh, the Kings now have lost two in a row. Grand scheme of things, not the biggest of deal, but we're getting later in the year. Standings, as we've talked about, becoming more and more important. The Kings have tumbled with the loss to eighth. And uh, Sacramento has, after Friday, I would say a little bit more of a favorable schedule. Not that anything is easy, and we know this group from the Sacramento Kings. We can't, you can't count anything, even if you look at the schedule and go, hey, that might, that might play better for the Kings. Had a few people yesterday, once we heard word that De'Aaron Fox was out, like, hey, they're probably going to win, right, knowing these Kings? I'm like, well, they could. I mean, I don't know that it, I, I, I don't want to keep labeling them because I don't think the narrative – is absolutely perfect where you say, oh, if the other team doesn't have their guys, the Kings lose. We told you that the other day. The record doesn't indicate that, though they have lost their share of games when other teams have been undermanned. And I thought, well, maybe the Kings can do it this time. Maybe maybe this is the time that they're undermanned, that they win, and they didn't. Without De'Aaron Fox, they are now 3-4 and four this year. And a little bit later in the show, besides the loss, I'm going to go over something from the game that bothered me probably more than anything that happened in the game and it, it wasn't the performance um, though. I didn't really enjoy that at all. So last night we look back at the game. I, I, I want to at least go to the, the positives were early and that's about it for the game because I was really impressed with the way the Kings came out of the game, the way they defended um, the part that I had my initial red flag up was in the first quarter when the Kings were seven of 10 from three. I loved it. But I went, this doesn't have staying power. I didn't think they would fall off a cliff. They would go 0 for 9 in the second, miss their first couple of the third, and they just weren't hitting threes. But uh, it did start out well for the Kings. In a traffic jam, DeMunk in the right corner for a second chance. Now he attacks the basket, and he scores on the second opportunity. Sabonis will get the assist. Sacramento on a 6-0 run. They lead by 5 at 24-19. Great defense inside once again. Denver is denied at the rim. Here's a three on the way from Monk. He's got the triple. Make it a 9-0 run by Sacramento. And they've got their biggest lead of the evening at 27-19. to Yeah, early on, I thought the Kings played efficiently, effectively. I love the way Keegan Murray came out. He was super aggressive. He has to be like that, has to continue that with or without De'Aaron Fox. And, I mean, De'Aaron, you know, talking to G-Man in the pregame before the game, G-Man had seen him uh, work out. There was some word about him being questionable. He went through the morning shoot-around, so all things were encouraging. When we talked to Katie yesterday, she said if she had to bet, she thought he would play. The the games are important. Uh, De'Aaron doesn't miss a ton of games. But when G-Man saw De'Aaron a little bit later in the day, he said, yeah, I'm having trouble walking. Like, he he was really hurting. The leg uh, was – the knee was bothering him. And so he sat out, and that's that's more important. you got to get him right, make sure he's good to go. I don't know at this point if there'll be any more time missed for De'Aaron. The fact that he went through shoot-around was encouraging. So he was really thinking about playing, but uh, had to pull the plug ultimately on uh, on sitting this one out. So Davion got the start. Again, Kings got off to a good beginning, and even the early part of the second extended their lead. 
Turner drives into traffic, reaches with the left hand, and he converts it. Another one of those little awkward two-pointers from fairly close range for the second time tonight by Kevin Herter. And the Kings now have a 13-point lead, and Mike Malone has called timeout. All right, so the Kings would build that all the way up to as much as 15, and then boom, here comes the run before the half. And Denver not only established the lead, they established total control, and Sacramento was getting into one shot and out, maybe having some turnovers. They didn't have a a high volume, but when they did turn it over, Denver just absolutely capitalized. If you think about it and look at that, that stat in the game, Kings turned it over two less times than the Denver Nuggets for the game, but Denver scored 15 more points off the turnover. So the Kings kind of lost their offensive rhythm. Denver did, again, what yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago after the Heat loss, I was trying to talk about common themes that were happening now for the Kings' 25 losses. I think one a lot of people will address is when they're playing subpar teams well officially the kings this year when they're playing teams that are below 500 they're 15 and 5 so you'd like to have a little bit better record but that's not awful now against teams above 500 that are now below um the mark that you'd like to see they were at one point doing much better there now they're below uh 500 against teams above 500 in the last two games losing those but so they've done okay there where I've seen some issues, again, is teams that have size throughout their roster. And Denver, though the Kings have played them well, but again, they've played the incomplete Nuggets, right? I mean, they haven't been the the full roster that we normally see. Last night, when they had all the pieces of that starting lineup, Jamal Murray is a very, very talented guard. But I look at that front court, where Michael Porter Jr. doesn't do a bunch of post-ups, but he kind of draws another prominent wing defender that you need, whether that's Keegan Murray or Barnes uh, or Herder. Like you're, you're in a tough size situation with him. And then Jokic is a matchup problem one-on-one or if you double him, but it was Gordon to me. Like Gordon on the block was either going against on switches. They were doing that where it was Kevin Herter, where it was Harrison Barnes. Uh, he was just in that dunker spot. And once they kind of established him down low, uh, he missed one shot. Jamal Murray then was effective. Jokic, uh, I think, had two points early, but he ends with a triple-double. The teams with multiple bigs that can play down low can hurt the Kings. And the Kings are not the biggest of teams. I think they try to play physically at times. But uh, this one got out of hand, and Sacramento couldn't stop it once Denver got going, and the run would continue. Sabonis now hands it off to Keegan Murray in rhythm for three, but he can't convert. I don't think the Kings have made a three-pointer in this quarter. They are now 0 for 7. There's Denver. Jamal Murray knocking down a three on the left angle. That was a bullseye. Makes it 65-55. It was ugly. From that point on, it didn't get any better for the Kings. So I asked, I'll ask you guys this on our text line at uh, 800, or excuse me, at 339. 1140 339 1140 or on our YouTube if you'd like to chime in certainly on the phone lines too at 1-800-920-1140 just how long did you stick with that game we know teams can come back I I wasn't feeling it I didn't see it coming I mean Denver at 10 at the half I thought okay this is still possible but it just didn't get better in fact it got worse and so curious to see how long you stuck with that game 
for you Kings fans out there. And let's uh, kind of put another capper on just this monster run by the Nuggets. Some downtown. 78-59. Sabonis at the free throw line. Misses the 15-footer. Came up. Went 14 and a half. Lead out pass to Porter. Runs to the rim. Scores. Now this one's totally out of hand now. It's a 21-point separation. Kings have just turned it over again. Joker has it, lobs it inside, and uh, being fouled. And somehow, as he went to the floor on his knees, Jamal Murray just flipped the ball up over his head blindly, and it went in. There was one stat I had made note of during the game that I found really interesting. So when the Kings led 47-32, to it's about seven and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. There was about a 15-minute stretch where the Kings, I think, scored 15 points. In 15 minutes. That's awful. But it was 47-32 Kings. Then when it was 100-68, to a 32-point lead for Denver, their largest lead. That's the 47-point swing. But to kind of put it into perspective, it was 100-68. to Denver had scored 68 points in that time from the 7.5-minute mark to whatever moment that was of the fourth quarter. And the Kings had 68 for the game. So Denver, I mean, this, the amount of scoring Denver did at one point from, I think, the seven-and-a-half-minute mark to the early third, or really, actually, the last seven-and-a-half minutes of the second quarter, what Denver had scored at that pace, I think they would have scored, if they continued that for the game, it would have been over 200 points. That's how crazy, effective, efficient, and hot they were, and the Kings couldn't stop the bleeding. It absolutely couldn't stop it. And again, we'll go back to when you have a great win or a, just a win or a heartbreaking loss or a blowout loss like this. It is just one. That's the approach you have to take and you have to move on. But, you know, you, you store all these mental notes in and you look, if you get the Denver Nuggets, if you get them in a playoff series, you realize, okay, this is what they were capable of to you when they were fully healthy. You can naturally say it would have been different with Fox. Yeah, probably. How different? I don't know. I don't know if De'Aaron makes up that ground. It just every game plays differently. And so now if it's if it's closer throughout, I think the biggest thing in this game to me that life without Fox presented was when this onslaught of a run started to happen. That is probably amongst the many great traits that De'Aaron Fox has. He is the one guy on this team. I think he and maybe Malik Monk, that you can look at and just say, go get a bucket. Just stop the bleeding. I don't care if it's, it may not be best in our best uh, interest to become an isolated one-on-one team. But in this case, when Denver's hit you with a 10-0, uh, 21-3, whatever the run continued to be, just get a basket. Get to the line. Stop the bleeding. Don't make this so outlandish that you can't come back. And the Kings were trying to run their offense, and there's nothing wrong with that in 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 premise, in principle. But if you can't get the basket to score in any which way or a form and you can't stop them, you have no chance of a comeback. So, I mean, they miss Fox for a variety of things. But I think his ability to be that bucket getter when you need one was might might, might have been the most important element of what they missed Aaron Fox for. So, will he be back Friday? I sure hope so. We don't know that answer yet. We'll get more reaction post game from Mike Brown coming up but when we come back we're gonna go three for madness style from fire wings three questions 
three answers, including Leap Day and a prediction for the next four years, the next time we have Leap Day. We'll have that and more with Three for Madness next on Sacktown Sports. Three questions, three answers. It's Three for Madness on the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Here's question one. All right, Fire Wings brings you Three for Madness each and every day. We appreciate Fire Wings, and uh, maybe you can show them some love and head to the closest Fire Wings near you today for any of their 21 delicious flavor of wings, flavors of wings. Fire Wings, just wing it. All right, Chris Verlaud, what do you have for us in Three for Madness with question one? Today is Leap Day. Woo! What sports prediction do you think will be true by the next Leap Day in 2028? Leap Day's weird, isn't it? Kind of just a weird premise that we get this extra day every four years. Random! What? Um, I honestly don't know the answer. Why do we have this? Because a full year around the sun is 365 and a quarter days. Oh, uh, got it. You had the answer. I did. Did you learn that in school? Uh, when we went to the planetarium. Hmm. Did you believe everything they said? That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> so there we go. So 365 and a quarter. Interesting. Yep. So you have to take that extra day. Yeah. So you keep everything around the same time. Otherwise, we would be out of control. You could have Christmas and... Yeah, we'd be moving well, up a day. It'd so be like, like summer and Christmas. Why is it so hot? <laughs> yeah. Um... A sports prediction that'll be true in four years. Well, I'm, you know, sometimes people say this, and Doug Christie was famous for saying this, speak it into existence. I'm going to do one on a hopeful thing. So um, it has been a while for me personally. I'm, this is going to be a very selfish one, I guess, because I'm thinking about Just like you. Yeah, just like me. Thinking about this on the fly. Um, the three teams I would say, or three of, the, oh, I'll put another one in there, a team. Okay, I'll, I'll add, let's see, let's go with four now. Of the teams I'm most passionate about. So I would say the Sacramento Kings, um, UCLA football and basketball, the New York Yankees. And so the UCLA counts as one. Okay, UCLA. So, yeah, okay, we'll go Kings, UCLA, Yankees, and Sac State, Sac State football. I'm going to put those four together. One of those in the next four years is going to win a championship. Okay. I'm speaking it into existence. I don't even know if I believe it. But I'm going to do I it. I don't. Hey. Um, Watch it. Yeah. Um, I was thinking when that question was first asked, I'm like, oh, maybe some of the A's. I go, I, I don't know. I don't know where that's going. Um, something specific with a player or kings or coaches. I don't know. But those four, I'm going to just speak it into existence, whether it's the Yankees, the Kings, UCLA, or Sac State to win a championship. Do you have a Do you have a, a sports prediction by 20, the next leap day that you think will come true? I've got two. Okay. One, it's not really 2028, it's 2026, but it's going to be, I think Mexico is going to win the World Cup. Oh, okay. Why is that? I mean, U.S. is almost a home country for them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're getting really good. Okay. So I think that they're going to do when, good. Do enough. they have one or when was their last one? They're, I, they've never won a World Cup. Okay. So that'd be great. Okay. And 2028, on this day in 2028, I guess a uh, few months into 20, into uh, after this in 2028, the A's will still not be in Las Vegas. Well, that's probably when are they projected to be there? Twenty twenty eight. Oh, okay, okay. I guess we'll. Are we writing this down? Are we recording this? For oh, have you seen like the? Uh, they did like uh, verbal renderings. 
So they just wrote out what yeah, the stadium how is. They described it. I did see that. <laughs> like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Yeah, get it together. All right, question two. Question two. LeBron James actually did a first last night in his career. He and the Lakers came from 21 down to beat the Clippers. That is his largest fourth quarter comeback of his career. Does that stat surprise you? It actually did. When I'm like LeBron, I mean, I guess there might be some reasons for it for the majority of his career. I bet he has a. I know he has a winning percentage, uh, a positive winning percentage. So he probably hasn't been in that situation that much. But when you play 82 a year for the most part, you do have games when you're down. So I was surprised that that was his largest comeback. It's actually a pretty good win for the Lakers coming back on the Clippers like that. Um, and it was the Clippers home court, wasn't it? I think no. the, the Lakers were home team? Yeah. Uh, or no. was it? Yeah. I, I wanted, I, No, I, the Clippers were the home yeah, team. Yeah, I thought they were. So, but, I mean, that's but a, there was like mostly Lakers fans that's there. That's a quality road win. Did you see what D'Lo thing. did? Um, After scoring, he shushed the crest. Yeah. <laughs> it's whole Lakers fan Are you sharing. shushing? Like, wait, that guy's in a Lakers jersey, but that guy's in a Clipper jersey. Is he, who's he shushing? Um, yeah, I was surprised. I definitely was surprised to see that stat. That's the largest comeback he's ever been a part of, 21 down. Um, he's played so long. The other thing I saw during the game that showed the stat that all the people in the history of the NBA that have played 21 seasons in the NBA, they showed their point total combined in season 21. LeBron has more points than them by himself. I know it's not the largest list of players, but I've said it, I'll say it again, like or not on LeBron James. And I'm not even, this is not a goat conversation. That's just, uh, you know, nauseating conversation to me but I think the thing you could say that LeBron James without a doubt is the best at that we have ever seen in the NBA is this far along in his career no one has been this good no one I mean it's not even close so that he has been the best at doesn't make him the greatest basketball player of all time though I think he's definitely in the conversation but that in this far along he's still He's not going to win an MVP, but he's still one of the game's great players. Is truly amazing. His draft class is gone, retired. Some are already in the Hall of Fame, meaning they've been out that long, and he is still thriving and playing, I mean, amazing basketball and making records like he did last night. Incredible. All right, let's get to question number three. Question three. The calendar flips to March tomorrow. What is your favorite part of the third month of the year? Well, uh, I would say in general, my least favorite months are January and February. I like Christmas time. And the reason for that is weather. I just, and some, Chris, I know you, Dave, you guys are more of the fan of the, I mean, the last couple days have actually been pretty nice. Really nice. See, you say that, but I hate cold. Yeah, but you want it to be, well, 60s isn't cold. I like overcast and low 60s. Can we get into the low 70s is fine? That's not out of hand. Uh, but it's gross when it's overcast. Like, it needs to be overcast. Well, would, it could still be overcast and be like 72, Yeah, right? but then it feels gross. It's like. Like, it feels too hot? It's like, it's there's like more humidity. Huh, okay. Um. So, that's the reason I would say I'm not as big a fan of January and February. So March, I start to think of we're getting to spring, warmer weather, but not out of hand weather. But all that being said, it's not that. It's not uh as a kid, I used to always look forward to um 
McDonald's with the shamrock shakes. It's like the shakes, they're green, they're mint, they're so good. Yeah, they're fine. I don't know. Do Aren't still- they not mint? Probably not. I heard that like people just like think but that they're mint. That probably was a mental mind trick. Do they still do those? Yes. They do? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I haven't had one of those in probably since I was a kid. Um, but it's March Madness. I mean, the NBA season will be getting closer to the end, and Major League Baseball will be beginning, but at the end of the month. But March Madness is great. I've always loved it. And another year, and I say this now every year, and it's becoming more and more true, sadly for me, I watched less college basketball this year than the year before, which was less than the year before. I used to watch that regularly. And so I won't know a lot about the teams, but I'm going to be all over the bracket and think, hey, Chris, I predicted that. I had UTEP. See that pick? I I knew that surprise. I didn't know. I just took a shot in the dark. 12 over 5 happens every year. Is it weird? That's how I make my brackets now. It's like, okay, a 12 always beats a 5. There's always like a 13 or a... 13, 13 or 12 that makes it to like the final the sweet the elite eight. Yeah. You know, what's funny about that in, in, I, I would have to do this in a, um, some sort of poll, but when we used to literally have the paper bracket that people would fill out, I found that enough people would read just enough. So my example would be, however, I feel like people fill out the bracket top left, bottom left, top right bottom right in general yes. that's my guess and why i would go to that is let's do the 512 example so 512 in the first bracket they pick the five there's the five there's the five oh, i haven't picked a 12 it's almost always in the bottom right corner it's like we're just a victim of like oh it always happens but i don't think these other for some reason oh this is the one no it's because it's your last choice and so it's funny that i feel like more people in the bottom right have more of their upsets just because, ooh, I got a lot of one-twos. I got to do something different. Here's a one-four in the final eight in this right corner. What's disgusting is my greatest bracket of all time. It was uh, tw- uh, 2003, and I just graduated high school, but I was helping coach my old baseball team. And like one of the teachers there, like, oh, we do like a teacher's bracket, but we don't play it for money. It's just for fun. I'm just like, okay. I got like the first 30 of the 32 games oh right. Oh my gosh. I got 14 of the 16, seven of the eight. I've got uh, three of the four, and I had the finals game. I had Georgia Tech beating Syracuse, and it's when Syracuse beat Georgia Tech. Oh, wow. <laughs> but like, it's like if I entered that with any money in anything, yeah. like I would have destroyed everybody. Yeah. Man. And I haven't even come close to anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, in our uh, pool that we end up having here that ends up having about 200 people, I'm I'm going to be rock solid about 111th. That's usually where I'm, you know, never the worst. Uh, for a while, I'll I, be near the top. I think I got second once. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's wishing nice. boots. Wish- the wishing boot, yes. The wishing boot. Yeah, March for me, it's March Madness. Love it. That's going to be uh, here before you know it in uh, just a couple of weeks away. All right, coming up for us, sports business. Good of business. With Kelly Brothers. We'll get his perspective on what we need to know business-wise. Still to come, more post-game reaction from the Kings' loss to Denver. Sam Amick joining us. It's a busy show, but we talk business, sports business with Kelly Brothers. That's next. 
Joining us now on SportsSense, certified financial planner Kelly Brothers. Kelly is an advisor with CapTrust, one of the nation's largest registered investment advisors. CapTrust counts among its clients numerous pro athletes and pro sports franchises, but most importantly serves many Northern Californians through comprehensive financial planning. Here's Kelly Brothers. It is that time. Sports business with our guy Kelly Brothers from Cap Trust. I see Kelly still has faith and belief in the Sacramento Kings despite that blowout loss. Donning the Kings gear. I love it, Kelly. Yeah, that's all I could find. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course I do. Yes. I have faith. Good. Um, and that was disappointing. That was disappointing to leave the room for three minutes and be up 15 and down 10. But that's that's just the way it that's just the way the NBA season goes. Yes, as you know, as for sure we do. Uh, on your end of things, Cap Trust this time of year, I imagine things. Uh, well, I know you're busy at all times. Is this a busier time? You know, getting closer to like tax season and decisions on stuff like that. Yeah, people start to you know dive into their taxes a little bit, and that usually brings up a lot of questions, which is good. Mm-hmm. You know, some the tax time is actually the perfect time to actually do some financial planning because you've pulled everything out. You have your end of year values for all that you own, um, and so it's uh, it, it's actually a very productive time of the year, I think. Yeah. So, um, and if uh, you know if if the inflation trend continues, and it, it should be an okay year, so we'll we'll see. But it's um, uh, there, there's there's always something to do, Jason. Yes. When, when it comes to when it comes to money. By the way, a little tip for anyone who has kids, because I was talking to my kids about this last night. Um, a great thing to open up when you're when you start earning income when you're 18 years old when you're working at a fast food restaurant or doing whatever open up a Roth IRA mm-hmm. uh, you can put some money in there and uh, given the way our country spends money uh, tax-free money 40 years from now will be very very valuable money so uh, Roth remember is money you put in now while you're at very low tax rates and when you pull it out uh, it'll be tax free forever and ever. Amen. And that's, that's a great thing. But you know, if you, um, you start to phase out of that as your income goes up, so get it done while you're young in life. Yeah. Very helpful tip there from Kelly brothers. Kelly, what about, uh, what tip would you have for, for John Fisher and those Oakland A's? This, this, this journey is not ending and it's certainly not, they haven't landed this plane by any means going to Vegas. Uh, but the interim could be Oakland, could be San Jose, could be Salt Lake, could be Sacramento. What's the, what do you think the latest here is on John this business Fisher, side? Let me introduce you to West Sacramento. You need <laughs> to know West Sac, John Fisher. Um, and you know what I think, I think there's, there's possibility there. I mean, you know, it is one way to, uh, to, to play the games and still be able to serve the NorCal audience you've built over the years, despite your mismanagement, mm-hmm. John. So why don't you come on up and check out West Sac? Yeah, it is a mess, especially when Vegas's mayor is saying, uh, why don't they just go somewhere else? I don't know if it's because of the quality of the ownership group or if it's because she doesn't want any more public funding. Uh, but I, I mean, overall pro sports has been pretty good to Vegas from what I could see whether it's uh, the Raiders, the Super Bowl, the Golden Knights. The, I mean, they have uh, sports just, you know, goes with Vegas hand in hand, I think. So we went, um, Jason, last week, my wife and I went to see, uh, to the Sphere. Oh, yeah. Uh, to see you uh, too. And it was a gift to me on my birthday. And uh, uh, and it was, it, it was all that, it was, it was everything you think it would be. And um, so I can't wait to see how they use the Sphere for, for drafts, yeah. for political conventions yeah. one day. I mean, it's, it is a, 
it's a feast for the eyes. Yeah, I was going to say the visual stimulation of some of the stuff I've seen. I haven't been there. It just seems like over. Was it a bit overwhelming or, or was it tolerable? Like, how did you take all that in? Yeah, you know, I found it as someone who kind of enjoys good graphics and the way they're put together. And remember, this is really even before AI has come out now. I mean, to think of what it could be like in the future. You know, the one the one downside, I will say, if you're a fan of going to concerts like that, uh, I would say three quarters of the people in the building were U2 fans, but there was a quarter of the people there who were just there to see the sphere. Yeah. And they really didn't care about the band. Yeah, It was just something to listen to while all the graphics and everything else were happening in the background, but an unbelievable facility. Um, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, but, but, you know, I just, I think Vegas would be a good home for the A's, but I think Sacramento would be a better home if we could pull that one off. And, you know, the fact that Vivek now owns the river cats yeah. and owns that stadium, uh, he already has, you know, major league cred, so to speak because of the way he has turned the Kings and um, you, you know, who's to say that he couldn't get a deal done. I'm, I'm not going to discount that at least not yet. Yeah. You know, like some of the things we've talked about here on this show and, and it's unfortunate that Dave's not here because he's less of he's, he doesn't like the idea of, of giving an out for John Fisher and the A's if they truly don't can't land Vegas. My thought is if they have to move from Oakland and they're going somewhere. I'd rather see them come here. I'd like to see that entertainment. I know the A's aren't maybe the draw of other teams, but it could be as much as the baseball being here and what else that could do. But I wonder one area that I don't know if it's fully been fledged out. If if they are forced to move from Oakland after this year and Vegas doesn't fully come to fruition and they get to Sacramento, is there any chance that they stay in Sacramento? Yeah, and obviously that's a huge question because the only reason, you know, as I understand it now, they've built that stadium so they could add a second deck and bring it up to Major League Baseball standards. They're only going to put the the hundreds of millions into that stadium if they have some sort of a long-term lease. So um, I I think it's possible. I I, I think it's uh, improbable. Um, It'd be nice to think we could, but Vegas holds a certain allure. For sure. And, uh, you know, and there's a lot of Oakland fans of the Raiders and other teams who have moved to Vegas anywhere or moved to Nevada. Um, but, but I, I, you know, Sacramento would be a great baseball town. Although, you know, let's face it, um, uh, you, you know, it is, um, it, it, well, you know, if, if you've gone to a Rivercats game on a, on a Sunday afternoon and it's 104, you know what that feels like. Yes. So it, it is, uh, you know, day games midsummer. Uh, <laughs> that's that's you 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 got to be a fan. Yeah, put it that way. That's for sure. All right, let's bounce to <laughs> football, Kelly. The uh, NFL announced that the salary cap went up quite a bit more than a lot of people thought it would. That could help team like the Niners, who are looking at guys like Brandon Ayuk and a couple others. They got to figure out. But what what do you make of the uh, the new NFL salary cap? You know, just uh, the magic that is the NFL, the business model that is the NFL. 255, 255 million is the new salary cap. It went up 30. Uh, the projection is this year, Jason, that each team is going to get from the league office $400 million. Wow. So you're getting, you're getting, you know, and that's 400 million for all the licensing, for all the national TV deals, all that. So, so, you know, here you are, you're, you're, you have to pay your players, Two two hundred fifty five million, or, or most people will be right in that ballpark. 
but you're getting 400 million. So you're 150 million over what you need to cover your nut for your players. And that doesn't include any of the local money. That doesn't include any of the tickets or the beer or the wine or the popcorn, or it doesn't include, you know, your local radio rights. Uh, now, granted, you have a lot of other expenses as well. You have an entire staff. I think, what did I read? Was it when the Niners uh, were in the Super Bowl recently? Didn't they fly down every employee mm -hmm. to Vegas? And I think it came out to be like 1,200 employees. Wow. Which is, I mean, so there are other expenses there, but what a business model. Like yeah. your, your main expense is covered and then some by the league. And the values just keep going up. And that's why we're seeing little chunks of teams being put up for sale now as people try to get a billion out but still keep control of their team. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Football just continues to do well, even to the college game, some of the flaws it has, but some of the, the greatness that we have with college football. Now they're talking about maybe even expanding that play. I mean, we're getting a new playoff next year, but they're talking about even larger, maybe up to 14 teams. I love the debate on this, Jason, because people are passionate about this because – you know, if they did 14 teams, that means the Big Ten would get three automatic bursts. Wow. Can you tell me who the third best team in the Big Ten was <laughs> last year? No. No. Yeah. No one can. Right. Um, now, granted, it's going to be a much bigger conference. We're going to have some California teams in the Big Ten next year. Um, but this is, a you know, uh, 14 teams, may, you know, the argument against this is, um, okay, so 14 teams. So what is that, three additional games? Mm-hmm. On top of 11, they're already playing. Or 12 even, are, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 11 or 12 if they're playing in week zero. So, But they are talking about it. However, you know, they, they got to get this online now. But the money is just too, too good, too good to turn down. I mean, you have, you know, ESPN is – the interesting thing about the ESPN contract where they paid billions for the rights is that they have the right now – to sublease these games to another network. They have the right to be a broker wow. and say, hey, we paid X for it, but we can get double that, so we're going to give it to you, CBS, or we're going to give it to you, Amazon, or Apple, or someone else. By the way, I, I, I neglected to mention, you know, they just sold another playoff game in the NFL to Amazon next year. They got $150 million. That was up 36% over what they got this year. So those rights numbers continue to go up. So ESPN is almost playing a little arbitrage here saying, boy, if they continue to go up, we might sell off a few of these games, especially if it's a 14-team playoff uh, because there's going to be a lot of games to cover. Yeah. So uh, I, I happen to, you know, I like the idea of, of more is better, but boy, if they have to do that, they almost have to cap teams at nine or 10 games. And then you got an issue with conferences that have 18 teams. And how do you do that? Yeah, and guaranteeing that third team, is that third team going to be – you know, six and <laughs> four. Yeah, it's six and four. And you're like, they don't deserve to be here. Well, their losses are to the one and two. Yeah, it's just. It, oh, yeah. No, yeah. Imagine, yeah, when you get, um, you know, Notre Dame is a, you know, a, a sore spot in all this too because they're not a member of a conference. Right. Um, but, but their deal is if they're in the top 14, they would get in, yeah. which is fair. Which right. Is more than fair. But, you know, if, if but you, you are going to come up with the, all right, is the number three team in the Big Ten, whoever it is, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. Northwestern, UCLA, who knows? Who yeah. knows who it could be? Um, is the number three team better than a, you know, 11 and one Boise State team? Right. And that, that's, but that's been the debate we've had all along anyway. Exactly. So it's really just kind of, you know, replowing ground we've already plowed. Yeah. And just, and it still feels like it's, you know, there's chaos amongst the relocation or, or realignment, I should say, of conferences, really no general structure. And this even, you know, to just agree on a new 
uh, plan, and now to already think about expanding is is crazy, and we haven't even seen no, the first they, one run what through. What they need, what they need, Jason, is a commissioner. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and Nick Saban could be the commissioner, but yeah. they need someone who has veto power over every conference and will simply do what's best for the sport. Because other than that, they're all in it for themselves. Um, and you know, the commissioner right now, you know, the commissioner is in college football, Jimmy Sexton. Yeah. He's the agent for nearly every SEC coach. He he is the puppet master in the back pulling the strings. And that's not the way it should be. It, it shouldn't be someone whose livelihood and whose client's livelihood depends on those moves. It should be someone like a baseball commissioner or Roger Goodell. Love him or hate him, he acts in the best interest of the league and he reigns in the owners, you yeah. know? Well, something that they got to work on, that's for sure. Kelly, we always appreciate your time, all the tidbits that we learn from you each week in sports business. Have a great week, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Sounds good, Jason. Great to see you, and I hope Dave feels better soon. All right, thank you. We appreciate that very much. That's uh, Kelly Brothers from CapTrust Sports Business each Thursday right here on Sacktown Sports at 7.30. When we return, we not only have our Jiffy Lube drive of the game, there was a good moment for the Kings, if you can remember what that is. Uh, let us know at 800-920-1140 or 339-1140. We'll talk about that when we come back. And we'll hear from Mike Brown on that loss in Denver. What went wrong for the Kings? That is next. The only place in the morning to get your sports fix. Live and local. The Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. All right, we're about 15 minutes away from being joined by Sam Amick, our weekly conversation with Sam from The Athletic every Thursday at 8. Thanks again to Kelly Brothers from Cap Trust giving us the latest on sports business. As we start this next segment, Jason Ross, Christopher Lott here with you. We want our Jiffy Lube drive of the game. The Kings blowout loss. There was some highlights early. That's the hint. The drive of the game came early. Hopefully you were listening to the G-Man last night. The first one to... Uh, correctly identify that we'll get a $100 gift card courtesy of our friends from Jiffy Lube you can use that any which way you want but you got to get it right so 1-800-920-1140-339-1140 the first one to check in on our Jiffy Lube drive of the game Sunil joining us good morning do you know the Jiffy Lube drive of the game are you there hello yeah hey do you know the Jiffy Lube drive of the game uh, yes, it was the uh, three-point uh, buzzer beater at the end of the first quarter. At the end of the first quarter. Do you know by chance who hit it? Uh, uh, Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray. Let's see. Hang tight, Sunil. We'll see if you are correct. Inbounds pass goes to Malik Monk. Double screen on top. Finds Keegan left wing. Steps into the triple. Scores it to beat the buzzer. The three-pointer is knocked down by Keegan Murray on a feed from Malik Monk. And we're going to make that your Jiffy Lube drive of the game. It wasn't exactly a drive, but it was a super assist off the inbounds pass from Malik Monk to Keegan, who popped from the top of the arc to the left wing. There you go. It was correct. Congratulations. Hang tight. We'll get your information. You are a winner of the Jiffy Lube gift card. How long did you listen to the game for? I listened to the whole game. Wow. You're a glutton for punishment. I appreciate that. We appreciate you listening, and thank you so much for checking in. You are a winner. That is Sunil, who was checking in. First one in. Got it. There were others waiting. Needed him to miss his shot, but he called the shot. He got it right, unlike uh, unlike the Kings last night. 
All right, so thank you. We appreciate that. We will have uh, another opportunity on Monday because we'll have a game on Friday. You'll have a chance to identify the Jiffy Lube drive of the game. All right, so let's get back into the Kings in general last night. Again, they played without De'Aaron Fox. I'm not a... uh, They can win. You know, we've seen other teams beat the Kings without their guys. Certainly the Kings are better with De'Aaron Fox. That goes without saying. That that wasn't the reason why they lost. I mean, that wasn't the reason at all. Uh, But what were some of the reasons? Well, let's hear from Mike Brown. He talked post-game on what he thought went wrong. We just couldn't buy a bucket. We couldn't. The ball would not go into the ocean at that point in time, and we weren't getting enough stops. And, uh, you know, we tried to stem the tide in the second half, uh, but uh, their pressure in transition, uh, especially in that second quarter, was the result of uh, them getting a getting the lead. They had 20 fast break points in the first half. We did a better job in the second half, but uh, their pressure and transition in that second quarter off our missed shots and our turnovers was the was the cause of the game. But Yeah, early on the Kings were making things 7 of 10 from 3 after the first quarter. Then they missed their next 9 in the second. Missed a bunch to start the third quarter. But when you aren't scoring, can you get stops? That wasn't happening. I think in that big run by Denver, De'Aaron Fox would have helped break up that those runs some of it he would be able to get to the foul line or get a a couple of buckets he's the best one-on-one player on the team they missed him for many reasons that was one but I I don't know that it would have mattered yesterday uh coach was also talking about the Kings on the defensive side uh defensively um you know I I thought we were okay at times uh again you know they shot 43 percent from the three-point line a lot of that was Jamal uh, in transition in that second quarter. And then once he saw a few go in, he's a, a great player. Uh, he just stayed in rhythm the whole game and continued to knock shots down. But the ones in the half court uh, that they hit, we didn't do a good job of uh, uh, closing out like we have in the, the last two games, I'd say. Um, and it resulted in them shooting 43% from the floor, uh, from, from the three-point line. Yeah, and a little bit later in the show, too, uh, amongst all the things in the loss, I, I got a couple of points that I that probably bothered me more than any of this, and I'll, I'll discuss that a little bit later in the show. Um, how about individually? Let's hear what he had to say about uh, Fox, right? De'Aaron didn't play. We heard from G-Man on the radio side that just the knee was bothering. He didn't feel like he could move very well yesterday after going through shoot-around. Here what he was asked, Mike Brown was, about Fox and potentially playing Friday against Minnesota? Uh, no, I, I, I don't. I haven't talked to our trainers yet or anything. They just said he, he was out. I said, okay. Yeah, so no word on his availability, I guess, is how I should have led into that. Keegan Murray got off to a great start. I think we're seeing him uh, attempting to be more aggressive, and we had a great highlight of Keegan late in the game. That was that was very amusing. It, it didn't matter, but I'd love to see that aggressiveness uh, Coach Brown talking about Keegan needing to stay in that kind of mindset. Yeah, you know, I, I've had and I will continue to have conversations with Keegan. We want Keegan to be aggressive uh, uh, because we, we feel like his development is necessary for us to continue our climb as a team. And um, uh, so not just because of tonight, but, you know, going forward, uh, I'm always going to tell him, hey, be aggressive. Uh, just because this guy's in the game or that guy's in the game, uh, you go ahead and you take the lead. If you see any opportunity to take advantage of the defense or your defender, uh, we're all for it. 
All right, so more aggressive Keegan, the better. Uh, Keegan stat line last night, 21 points, led the Kings in scoring, had four rebounds. Uh, no assist, did have some foul issues, and a steal and a block as well. Lastly, uh, the Kings got to look at the champs again. They were 3-0 and going into the game. I had looked up the stat before the game. The Kings, as the Sacramento Kings, this is their 39th year here, and they had never in any of the years swept the defending champions the next year. So, right, whoever won the title the prior season, and some of those are Eastern Conference teams, so you might play them twice. The one little caveat I thought they had the last year of the Chicago Bulls six titles when Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, they basically blew up that team. The next year was the lockout shortened year, and the Kings didn't face the Bulls. And that was the start of the Rick Adelman run, Jay Will, C. Webb, Vlade, so on and so forth. The next year, they swept the Bulls, but it wasn't the following season of the championship. Can I say that was the first year that they didn't lose to the previous champions? You can say that. Thank you. And so last night was an opportunity after going 3-0 and against Denver. They could have completed the sweep. It did not happen. Let's hear Coach Brown talking about those Denver Nuggets. I mean, anytime you can go against uh, a team like that, you're gonna you're gonna take something away. And the biggest thing is is just the the constant pressure that they put on you, you know. And they tried to do it defensively, and uh, early on we were getting great looks, and then they started getting some deflections, and we started uh, making some bad decisions with the basketball. And as soon as that happened. Uh, you could see how hard they pushed and they ran uh, they ran in transition. And then once they smell blood, you can even see uh, on both ends of the floor, their defense picked up a little bit, but even in, even their, their offense, I mean, a couple of the cuts that Nicola made to the rim, uh, you know, that's just in the, his setup, you know, that's just championship uh, level basketball just knowing and, and, and having a feel for uh, how to get a foul, how to get a bucket, how to put pressure on the team and you know one of the things we talk about a lot is getting paint touches paint touches, paint touches and we, we did a good job of that early on but as the game went we went away from it and uh, we, we kept trying to tell the guys hey keep touching the paint because the sprays will be there uh, and not just with the basketball, but with cuts too. And Denver does that uh, a lot. They they will uh, play pick and roll, and they know when to cut a guy, when to hold a guy. Uh, Nicola uh, is a very good decision maker, and and again, all that was just in the flow, especially when they smelled uh, a chance to take uh, take it to us. And they did absolutely dominated. The uh, Nuggets scored 72 points over that second and third quarter stretch, and the Kings scored 37. Wow. Uh, Sacramento was dominated in this one. Nuggets got the win their 40th of the year. Kings dropped to 33 and 25. More on this game. More back to that point, too, of that that irked me the most and the entirety of the four quarters. We'll have that later. But when we come back, Sam Amick. What's going on with the Kings? What's going on with the entirety of the league? What's he focused in on? We have our weekly conversation with Sam Amick from The Athletic. That to start the 8 o'clock hour next here on Sacktown Sports.